Well, thank you again for all of your uh, questions, and uh, the last elder to sit down has to answer them all. So, <coughs> Mark? He wasn't I said the last elder to sit down has to answer all the questions. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again for all of your questions that you sent in. Um, we had some leftover from last week, but we also uh, got some new ones, uh, all very thoughtful. I also just want to thank you um, because I was the one receiving the questions, and even though I passed along the word, so many of you just reached out and said thank you for all that you're doing and uh, we're praying for the elders and uh, during this time we really we really covet those prayers and we're very very thankful uh, for it and um, so thank you um, for that well Harrison we've got a few questions um, and we'll start off with another very serious one what is your favorite coffee your favorite coffee shop and your favorite method of making coffee? So, uh, some of this makes me sound so pretentious. <laughs> which, is the, which is the persona I aim for? You did make uh, You can tell. Um, so, I tend to like the South American coffees. Um, the, the sort of profile distinction is South America is earthy, uh, yeah, uh, South um, or African coffees are acidic, and Indonesian coffees are florally, and I don't like either of those two second things. So, uh, probably for nostalgia reasons, more than anything else, there's a, a shop in Birmingham called O'Henry's that uh, is is just really. What was the last one too? Favorite way of making your coffee? Well, I uh, I do it with a um, just a. A coffee maker, just a drip coffee maker. Drip coffee. Um, and I sort of became more intensely attached to that because nobody knows how to do that in Britain. And it's like a real odd rarity to have just a, a normal coffee. So yeah. um, they call it, we call coffee drip coffee. They call everything that comes from a coffee bean coffee, ah. which is incorrect. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> well, good. I will rest better tonight knowing the answer to those questions. <clears throat> okay, well, um, we were, we, we only had one question on Mark, um, it was chapter two uh, on the fasting that we answered last week, and then we were in the means of grace, worship, the Lord's Supper, um, so I think we're going to pick up back uh, there, um, and so one question, uh, maybe for all of you, will the worship service still be from 11 to 12.15, or will it be longer? The last two times that we've had communion, I have checked my watch as we finished, and it has been 12.15. Well, I changed that. From the time it started to the time it ended was an hour and 15 minutes. There was one time that we had a lengthy... We, were, we started a few minutes late, and so... Okay. So if, if you want to... If you want to finish at the 15, then you need to be in the sanctuary, seated, ready to go at 11 o'clock. <laughs> That's good. Um, kind of along those same lines, uh, for anybody, why are we rereading the scriptures each Sunday morning and evening rather than just the verses that are in the sermons? 
scientist. I, I, I thought we did move ahead. I mean, I guess in the evenings, we're going through Jude, and Jude is a small portion of, of right. Scripture as is. So it's one chapter, uh, and one chapter doesn't seem... Overly, I, I said from the first week I was in the pulpit, I like to read the Bible to you. I believe Paul's exhortation to devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. And I think it is a travesty when pastors read, especially if they read less than they preach uh, from. And so I, I think that it's good for us to hear the Word of God. And if you hear the book of Jude so many times that you can remember it by heart... Praise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, also, in Mark, I got, uh, in Mark, um, so, you know, sometimes we read the same section over, but Mark tends to group certain um, stories together to prove a point. Right? I guess we read the parables together uh, when we, but that's the only time that I can remember, I mean, and I am open to correction, I'm not insisting on that. That's the only time I remember repeatedly reading the same chunk in Mark uh, was during the parables and we yeah they they go together context context Context. right yeah well you know on that note just from a personal antidote but our family has greatly benefited from just having more scripture reading on a regular basis I'm very thankful that our kids are hearing it you know morning and evening and Wednesday nights and uh, as well as at home, of course, but it, it shows the priority of scripture reading you know, to our church, and so that's, uh, that's been very good. So thanks for leading us uh, in that. Um, so along those same lines of length of service, not a question, but a statement, it will be wonderful to have communion more often. I just hope that this doesn't mean that the sermons will be cut short. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so during the lesson on communion, uh, someone asked if the session was considering implementing a change from juice to wine. And it seemed that this was under consideration from what was said. Um, why would this be necessary? So, um, uh, first of all, uh, I will tell you, I can't remember who asked this question, but uh, I do remember that. I was the one that actually uh, uh, taught that section. And the person that asked or that made that question about juice to wine, uh, it was was a little bit tongue-in-cheek to lighten. They came up to me afterwards and said, I was just uh, trying to make light of a situation here. But uh, it is something that... um, uh, that we have talked about uh, in session, but it's not something that uh, we thought was really uh, uh, good or wise to move on at this it, uh, time. I mean, the, I think a different way to put it is it came up and we decided not to take it up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's not necessary. Right. Right. Uh, both. That's not a discussion that we're... We decided not to have that discussion at this time. Thank you. So, um, kind of along the um, 
line of the elements, this person writes, I have celiac disease. They can't eat the bread that um, we serve. So their solution is they they bring their own bread that they can partake um, to communion. If it is important to use wine, is it equally important to use the bread that is offered? Is it a matter of the attitude of the heart or the actual elements themselves? Does anybody else want to? No. Uh, well, we just addressed the, the wine thing and said it, it's at least not important enough in our minds to take up. So the, but, I, I mean, I guess my view is lots of churches provide, um, you know, distinct... Um, I don't know why this is the hard, bit that's hard to formulate. <laughs> um, uh, that's bread that's that uh, people can eat um, in the in the tray of bread, uh, and so maybe we need to consider that. Um, Yeah, yeah, uh, that's my point. Yeah, I think we can address that, consider especially considering it's been raised. We're we're not Anglicans. I mean, let us call it cup instead of juice or wine. All right, very good. Um, here, there were actually a, a few questions uh, regarding uh, this. Um, why is communion at the end of the service? Communion is a feast or a supper. If I have a dinner party, I don't wait until the end of the night to serve the food, then bless them goodbye right after everyone ate. The dinner parties that I'm used to start with dinner. Uh, then we enjoy the rest of the time spent together on full bellies. Has it ever been thought to put communion after the call to worship at the very beginning, any time before the sermon? Uh well, so there's two bits to that. One is there's a, a conflicting concern to some degree with those who are are eager for the twelve fifteen mark, um, as as that lingers on. But the other bit uh, is that yes, that is a, a principal issue that the the sacraments derive their efficacy from the word. And, and so the word fittingly goes before the sacraments. Um, and so that is, there, if, you, if you want more explanation of that, one of the sermons from the Means of Grace series uh, tackles that head-on as the, basically the sole point of, of that sermon. So. When we went through um, the order of worship in, during the Sunday school, one of the things that we covered was the patterns that we saw through the Old Testament into the New Testament into Revelation. And the series, you know, the, it ended with the supper, all those, uh, all those orders. So there's a pattern that we can see as well. Uh, and the pattern derives from what Harrison describes. you have anything you want to say? Word and sacrament. Right. That's very simple. Three words. Right, yeah. Very good. 
Um, okay. Are there any changes planned to the music worship? Not really. The uh, order of worship that we talked about in Sunday school um, still contemplated four um, hymns, uh, psalms, spiritual songs, um, just a bit more intentional about the content um, in the in the order, but still for no other real changes. So as Harrison said, no real change, just a little more intention about um, what the content of each one of those would be. And by content, you're referring to? Yeah, I think uh, a song of confession, song of thanks, uh, paying attention to the words and the meanings of each song and fitting them in uh, appropriately. Right. So remember that our songs, that are, they're prayers. They're just prayers set to music, right? And we are uh, responding in those various uh, elements of the services we work through. Yeah, Cheryl. Uh, Indeed, we have spoken with Alan. Okay. All right. Can you tell us who the guest speakers will be when you're uh, in the coming weeks here? You mentioned there's going to be some guest speakers. Who will they be and for how long and how many weeks? Do we mean next Sunday? Yeah, next Sunday, yeah. So one week. Uh, next. <laughs> um, and so in the morning, Adam <laughs> Ostella, who comes in the evenings with his family, who's an OPC evangelist, uh, is preaching. And in the evening, uh, the associate pastor from Redeemer PCA, Demiron Haynes, uh, whom some of you probably met at my uh, installation service. Yeah. Very good. So it's a, we're very excited to have them. And um, one yeah, one week. So uh, just to, to touch base on that, um, I, you know, Harrison, when he came here, um, we really wanted to encourage him to continue to serve the wider church with his giftedness in writing. And, you know, if uh, writing takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of research, takes a lot of uh, writing and then revision. It's a very long uh, process, so you really need some dedicated time. So um, a session is working with Harrison that when he needs those blocks of time that we would give it uh, to him to, um, to help him along. And um, quite honestly, uh, we all benefit uh, from that, and uh, we're very thankful for your works and for your efforts uh, in that. So um, we're excited to see that uh, continue. Yep. If uh, Harrison published an uh, excellent article about the train church this morning on your report, just one more example of this great writing. Yeah, very good. All right. Um, I'm just uh, trying to filter through these here. So uh, one question is uh, for anybody, um, when are we rolling out these changes? When are they going to... Uh, um, when are they going to take place? When are they going to occur? So the, the current plan 
and correct me guys if I get this wrong, but uh, to start looking at the uh, music um, being more ordered, if you will, and I don't mean that in a negative way, um, at the end of the first uh, quarter, so um, April time frame, I think. And were we going to do the order of worship then, too? And change the order of worship that um, was presented in Sunday school, um, change that then as well. And it, uh, at this point, we're thinking about um, and planning for rolling out the uh, weekly communion after we do more uh, education and uh, discussion, but rolling that out at the end of third quarter, so sometime in the fall. So, I have that correct? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I would just add, you know, that um, when I taught the lesson on uh, communion, I said that uh, we were going to start in the new year. And I think that that can easily be uh, understood as beginning in January. Um, and, uh, you know, really, we want, uh, we're not trying to force things down um, people's throats, I guess. Um, but rather, we really want to, um, you know, come alongside and help people to understand why uh, we believe that these are important changes and beneficial for our spiritual health. And so, uh, we want to take that time to, to do these various um, venues of, um, of preaching uh, in Harrison's sake or, um, or teaching and, uh, and one-on-one discussions as well. And so we encourage you that if you have uh, questions or concerns or hesitancies that you bring those to us um, and that we, um, we talk about them. All right. Um, Along uh, those lines, uh, excited about the changes, um, but if I'm talking with another church member who expresses serious concerns and says that they might even withdraw over this issue, how could I encourage them and redirect them to session? Any, any recommendations? Just do that. <laughs> What's that? I think they're talking about uh, the changes or weekly communion, the changes to worship or weekly communion. Well, I, I guess as I sort of process that question, one of the things is, uh, I mean, it, I'm, I'm very happy for us as the session to be available. Um, I'm not sure that, I mean, and if people want to talk to us about it, very good. Um, if someone's talking to you as an individual, I don't know that the first thing to do is say, run to the session. You know, there's a couple of things here um, of like, why is this so concerning? Is there, is there sin happening here? Is there something contrary to scripture and, and our confession happening um, and is it, or is it just this isn't what I know and and if it's if it's just not what I know that seems a very to my mind a very low bar to leave over something that just isn't that familiar to me um, if yeah none of you were familiar to me a few months ago and I wouldn't be here if it were just not being around what isn't familiar, I'm very glad to be with you. Um, 
And, and so I think we can very quickly get out of sorts in the church. And, and we need to be really careful. You know, it struck me, um, in go- I'm going to be a bit more rambling on this one, and I'm not sorry. We got time. Um, <laughs> so uh, I was, uh, by God's providence, as COVID restrictions interrupted various things and then restarted them and stopped them again in, in London, uh, I ended up doing Galatians in the morning and 1 Corinthians in the evening um, at the same time, which wasn't really, uh, you know, that's not a good balance, but it was what it was. Um, and it struck me as I was doing that, those two together, and thinking a little bit more widely how, how obvious it becomes if you take a moment that almost all of the New Testament epistles address divisions in the church. And, and they have very strong remarks about this sort of thing. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> if there's... And, and, you know, 1 Corinthians in particular, I, I hear there's divisions among, of you, among you. Some of you like this preacher, or this preacher, or this preacher, and some of you pull that card, well, I just like Jesus. Um, that, you know, I prefer Christ, as, as it happens there. And so, yeah, you know, that's, that's obviously a, a point of preference, or, you know, and, and I think that uh, we should we should be really thoughtful and careful as we process these things. Um, Americans, in particular, love to hit the the conscience button, uh, and and some issues genuinely are conscience issues. Uh, but I think that we should we should really filter that well. Is it is it I've had a negative reaction to this because oh my gosh I don't know what it means. Well, nothing's happened yet, except we've said this is a direction we're, we're going. Uh, if your first response is, what's my option as somebody who disagrees? It's like, well, um, maybe listen, maybe talk to people, um, maybe work towards not being upset and, and so volatile as to want to leave. We are a church family. Um, if your family reunions are anything like mine, things happen that you don't like. <laughs> and we don't have a way out. And so, um, yeah, you know, the, I've preached for years and continued it here on Christian disagreement. And I think that it's perhaps a more important issue than ever, this side of sort of polarizing issues in politics and culture. Um, we all have to learn to, to calm down a little bit and process things carefully. And that's not to say you can't land in disagreement, but it, like, is, it a, is it a disagreement worth dividing over? Some things are. Some things are not. And we just didn't get our way. And that, that just kind of is what it is. There's a reason why it's bearing with one another uh, because it's not easy and church isn't a place where it's supposed it's not the country club it's not where we get our preferences it's not where we get to 
pick, you know, the, the wallpaper and all of that. I mean, to some degree, I don't care about the wallpaper, but um, I'm really glad we don't have any, actually. <laughs> uh, I, ho- I hope you get my point that, that none of us have our preferences with a direct link to God's own mind. And we love to pretend that we do. We really do. If I dislike it, God must hate it. Nope. Maybe God actually likes what you dislike, and that's why we come to worship and get sanctified. All of us. There, I mean, I, I've never been a pastor at a church where I've thought, this is exactly what I would do. I mean, there, there are things that in churches where I pastor that I've thought, this, this is, it, it, in my assessment, this is displeasing to the Lord. Like, so genuinely, like it goes against my conscience, and I've led the services, because I submit to my session. That's the way, I, that's what I am supposed to do as one member of the group of elders. And so, yeah, I think we just need to be a bit more light-footed about these things. Um, or maybe a bit more heavy-footed in our churches, if we love the idea of leaving. Uh, there was an excellent uh, Sunday school lesson on this exact topic, and I was just looking up the uh, date and um, title. So uh, November 30th, uh, Pastor Harrison uh, gave us a Sunday school on worship as sanctification. So I would encourage you all uh, to go back and listen to that again. Yeah. It's not about our own preferences. Yeah, it's right? November 30 and worship as sanctification. Yeah. Magda. Um, I know I don't talk much, but I feel what he is here. The first thing anybody can do, those who agree and those who disagree with what's happening, is to pray about it, ask the Lord to guide them and show them what they need to do. We are here at church not because Christians go to church Sunday morning, but we have, in this country especially, we have the wonderful opportunity to be with God's people in God's house, listen to his word, 
of us have one goal, really, to know God more, to go deeper in the faith, not just up to our ankles, but really go deeper. And so we need to, to check God's word and see what, what can help us go deeper, more of his word. More of Christ. I think there is a song about the more of Christ. But that's our goal. And we can't do that to do less and less of being in the world or less of being together. We need to encourage each other and think that. Oh, wonderful words. Nabil, man, you are a blessed man. Well, um, you know, along that line, I just wanted to add that um, I could see where it could be perceived that, hey, we got a new pastor, and a few months later, then we're making changes, and it must be this new pastor that instigated all of this. And I want to be very clear, we've, we have said this before, but I want to say it again clearly, that this is something that the session was talking about, these various Uh, changes to our order of worship before we even knew Harrison existed on planet Earth. And um, that being said, when Harrison came, he helped us to think through those things um, well and scripturally and um, has been very supportive. But um, uh, it would be erroneous to think that this is driven strictly from Harrison. Um, This is something that comes from all of us. And um, I don't think, I, I'm saying this off the cuff, but I don't think that any of us are from a background or a church that took weekly communion. Um, so um, this isn't necessarily uh, coming from a point of preference or tradition from uh, us, but really uh, being convicted uh, in Scripture. Uh, it was also interesting, uh, for those of you who were on the search committee it's also very interesting that many of the candidates um, uh, asked the question when kind of getting to know about us, do you all take weekly communion because that's important? Um, That was kind of an interesting uh, factor for some of the the candidates. I don't know that my tradition or background, but I I have had weekly communion before. Um, And yeah, I felt, yeah, it was it the church where I was that had it when they made the change, they said, despite the fact that there was a lot of resistance the the effect was it became so much more meaningful to to everyone um, after the fact um, yeah i 'm going to stop there All right. um yeah, uh, to just to underscore kind of what Magda said, you know, whether you're wildly enthusiastic about these changes, whether you're indifferent, whether you're skeptical, um, you know, please pray that the church is blessed um, uh, by these uh, changes because that's really what all of our prayer uh, should be as we, as we go forward. Regardless of where somebody lands on the issue, the way that we go about these things can tell us to ourselves a lot about our spiritual maturity. Mm. And that's not a comment on any one thing. 
It's just if if we can't bear the thought of of church not being exactly what we want, is it about church? Is it about Jesus? Um, yeah, there's there's hard diagnostic questions that can not not about the view you hold, because actually, uh, people that say I like it or I dislike it could fall into the same problem. I want that to be very clear. We we can disagree in very poor ways, regardless of who's right. And in fact, that ought to be our conscience issue. How, how do I treat Christians even when I disagree with them? I'd like to read a quick passage, maybe to close off this section. Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Thank you, Mark. That's a good way to conclude that section. Um, Maybe on a little bit lighter note, what was the best or most memorable book that you read, not wrote, this person wrote, in the last year? And then I got a follow-up question after you answer that. I think that's for you guys. (laughs) No? Okay. Um, Memorable. Uh, Jude, Mark, um, uh, yeah. That's. So I, I always hesitate about these questions because there is a difference between um, what I would recommend and what helped me. So that's the next question. Right. Is what you would recommend. Because usually the books that I appreciate the, or, or that I find most useful for me, are not books that give me the answers, but help me think uh, really widely and deeply about a topic, even if I don't land where they land, or even if they don't offer uh, a, you know, a solution. Because a lot of books about church history don't give you a solution. They just take you on the tour of problems that the church has and probably still has. Um, so, you know, I think one of the, the books that has um, sort of sparked a lot of my thinking in the last year was a book called Seeing God, uh, which is about the, the history of the beatific vision. 
Um, I haven't finished it yet. Um, and I'm not recommending it as it's right, but it as um, the guy is a, a good writer and is sort of leading you on a, a tour of, of some really probing questions and differences among uh, historical theologians about what it means at the end of all things to see the Lord as the hope of our hopes. Um, and so I, I've uh, appreciated that and... Um, Harrison's too humble to say this, but he just wrote an excellent article on the Beatific Vision in Heidelblog. Uh, so would Credo Magazine. Credo Magazine, sorry. There's so many I get confused. Um, but it was really excellent, so I would recommend you look that up. Um, what book other than the Bible would you encourage believers to read? Maybe give a top three, because I know it's hard to choose one. Um. Can, can we uh, 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 can we ask another question so I can think on it? Sure. And, and then circle back? We'll ask an easy one. Jude verse 9. Is the book of Enoch in print? Have you read it? Is it of value for Christians to read? Would there be anything wrong with speaking to angels who surround us? They are around us and minister to us. And, yeah. And then... When is your book on Jude expected to be published? That's one question. One question. <laughs> I have a seventeen-part question. Yeah. Um, is so, so. Can I yeah. just actually look at that? I'm not trying is to cheat book, here. Is the book of uh, Yes, it is in print. There are various different translations of it. Um, I think the newest one, which probably means it's the most updated, is in. Uh, Lexham Press has some sort of like intertestamental literature in English, um, and and it looks like a really nice, well done edition. Um, but you can find PDFs of it for free. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, have I read it? I have read portions of it. Uh, it is it is a lengthy thing, and it's uh, so. To the next question, is it a value? Dep- depends on. Uh, it's a value. How much is a, is a different question. Um, yeah, I think that depends on your interest level. Is it edifying, you know, for just sort of normal discipleship? Probably not. Um, is there something wrong with reading it? No. How much you gain from it will be a different question. You know, as, as I raised in the sermon about Jude's use of sort of extra-biblical resources... Um, you know, there are sections of that book when Paul condemns uh, mythical genealogies, he's talking about First Enoch. And so there is scripture that, that condemns, you know, sections of First Enoch. And then there's uh, Jude who cites it as containing truth. And so, you know, it takes a lot of discernment. It's a, you know, those genealogies are the genealogies of angels. Is that something that interests you? Well, then, First Enoch is your book. Uh, if it's not, it's probably a weird book. Is there anything wrong with speaking to the angels who surround us? Is there anything wrong with it? I don't know that there's anything wrong with it. And see, this, is, this kind of comes back to my point, is we love to, to ask, what's the moral issue? You know, it has to be either right or wrong. Um, is it wrong 
I can't think of a reason why I think it's wrong. Is it useful? I doubt that. One, because you don't know who they are. Uh, you don't know exactly what role they've had in what's going on. And uh, it seems far more profitable to speak to the Lord. to pray to them. Yeah, which is, yeah, yeah, you certainly shouldn't be praying to them, but that's not exactly yeah, what I an, yeah. took to the, yeah, took as the point of the question. Right. Do you have that other book? I have not, so um, this is in the pastor's report, which is too long this year, um, but just trying to get you up to date on, on these sorts of things. Uh, I don't know when the book will be published, because one of the things that goes on is, you can propose a book, whether you've finished writing it or not, uh, and this is one that, but once you propose it, it, it gets reviewed, and then you get a contract with a deadline, and I'm not far enough along writing this book that I know what sort of deadline I want on it yet. So I have not even proposed this to a publisher. I have about two and a half chapters and then chunks of, of three others in the works, but um, given some other projects that I do have deadlines on, I haven't wanted to be on the hook for this one yet. <laughs> so the series that I would love to get it in is by IVP Academic called uh, Studies in Christian Doctrine and Scripture. And that's, that's what I'm hoping for. They may read it and say, good joke, try somebody else. Um, so we'll see. Publishers are weird. It's, it's not just about, if it's, I, I feel kind of bad in some ways because it's almost like gambling. You, you roll the dice every time you submit something to a publisher. So. All right, last question was, what other book other than the Bible would you recommend? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, depending depending on how wide your capacity is for stuff. So, I mean, one of the sort of classic works uh, that isn't that long is John Murray's Redemption Accomplished and Applied. It can be a little bit technical, but I think it's more stretching than, you know, advanced so gary took us through that book a few years ago good on you gary thank you yeah it was a good one um Mm -hmm. so that's that's one that uh i yeah that i i think is is a staple that i've come back to to read with church members and stuff over the years um sorry what was any others um there, there's a book uh recently called simply trinity and then another one None greater. Uh, both are about the doctrine of God. And so one is about the attributes of God and one is about the Trinity. And they're probably in the same category of stretching but not technical. Uh, and I think those would be good um, things. We, you know, the gospel is what we're about. And we need to remember that the gospel reconciles us with God. Uh, and and so it's good to not just, you know, we don't ignore the gospel by any means. And I hope that that's clear, the way that the sermon ends every week. Um, but we should, we should be increasingly familiarizing ourselves with the God of the gospel. Uh, and that has been one of the things that people are pointing out, that Protestants have lost a really 
big doctrine of God and the Trinity. And so there's some good literature coming out to help us recover that. Wonderful. Uh, we're out of time. And we've got... Um, well, possibly we have talked about when there's interruptions in the Sunday school flow um, that we may do one. Yeah. So, yes, the short answer. Um, we do have a very special day today because Barb Rhoda is back with us, for which we've been praying very hard uh, for the last few weeks. So we're glad to see her. But not only is she back with us, but it is her 90th birthday today. So we're going to sing happy birthday to Barb which I'm sure she's excited about. And then um, I will pray, and there's some wonderful uh, cake and cupcakes up there, and uh, we'll celebrate, have a party. All right? Let's sing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Bob. Happy birthday to you. And many more. That's right. All right, let's pray. Gracious Father, you are the giver of all life. And we are most grateful for our sister, Barb, that she is uh, recovering. We thank you for 90 years of life. And we thank you for your faithfulness to her through the ups and downs that life on this side of heaven brings. We pray, Father, that you would grant her many more years with us. We are uh, so grateful uh, for her presence among us. And we do pray, Father, that um, whether all of our years be long or short, that you would draw us closer to your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask all this in his name. Amen.